This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, we got a whole load of the uh, topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville with our panel here in the studio. Mike Van Solen is a principal at Navigator. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing really great, John. Good to have you here. Adrian Batra, Editor-in-Chief of the Toronto Sun. Good afternoon. Great day for talk radio, John. Thank you, Adrian. And Dave Sparrow, the National President of ACTRA. That's the Film and TV Actors Union here in Canada. Mr. Sparrow, sir. Just trying to bring a little brightness into the dark skies that are <laughs> falling slowly down. <laughs> you, what a Toronto. master thespian. I, you just had me hooked there. I mean, I was just dripping off uh, every dollop. Anyway, listen. Uh, this is going somewhere inappropriate, I feel. No, it's not. <laughs> no, never. Not never, anymore. Not on this show. No, sir. Let not me ask you anymore. Well, here's something that's inappropriate, or so it's been positioned as such. The Ontario Human Rights Commission just came out with an interim report earlier today into racial profiling and racial discrimination by the Toronto Police. And they've used data primarily, well, from police sources, including the SIU, uh, when it comes to confrontations with the police. They found, for example, that uh, although black residents comprised only 8.8% of Toronto's total population, they accounted for 25% of SIU investigations during the time period 2013 till the end of June 2017. And furthermore, black complainants were involved in 28% of all use of force investigations. And uh, the more force that was used, the greater that number uh, went. So uh, what we have are these encounters with police as been documented by the police themselves in the SIU. Mike McCormick, who's the uh, head of the Toronto Police Association, came on to, I guess, offer context or a rebuttal to this. This was his comment earlier last hour. We get called to respond to a person's actions, whether they are being violent, whether there's weapons involved. So if we're responding, we're not dictating to the type of people that we're responding to deal with. Those are dictated by people's actions. So if it's a black person or a white person, that's not up to us. All right. In other words, what he's saying is uh, this set of data is not a reflection of systemic discrimination as much as it is that uh, he's suggesting, anyway, a greater degree of criminal behavior within certain communities. Adrian Batra, is he wrong? There's a certain narrative that certain elements of our society would like to perpetuate, and that is that we have the most racist, the most egregious law enforcement agencies all over the place. Um, and I would submit to you that this report doesn't help with that notion. Um and I would also say that there is more context needed. The Ontario Human Rights Commission has their own narrative that they want to push. They have um, interesting data before them. I just think that they, we have no real comparators. Mr. McCormick makes a valid point. Cops are there to do a job. Um, we are not talking. And if we, we even took certain aspects of what we've seen over the course of the summer, uh, a lot of crime has increased. A lot of it has been um, black on black crime. Uh, there is brown on brown qu- crime. So it's more to me than just saying police officers after carding has been taken away. We have no more street checks. We have no more ability for them to actually have conversations with people on the street uh, that things have potentially either gotten worse or haven't improved. I, I have a real hard time with some of this information. Um and I do go back to the notion again 
that there is more context needed. And I know I am going to, well, my no, Twitter's going to light up and everyone's going to say, I'm a terrible racist and, and all these things. But uh, I, I think we owe that duty to our police officers to to give them that uh, that context. Well, as I was saying earlier, you know, a bigot might be anybody who might question the methodology of the report uh, if you don't subscribe mm. to it. But this is where I found as well, it seems either incomplete uh, or it's slanted or even politicized and weaponized. David Sparrow, how do you respond? Well, you know, there's no question that uh, many of our neighborhoods face tougher challenges than others, that uh, there are communities that have steeper hills to climb than many others. And and is systemic discrimination one factor in how those neighborhoods develop and the kind of activities that go on in those neighborhoods? Absolutely. Are our police officers any more racist or discriminatory than the average people in society? No, they're not. They're out there doing a job. And at the same time, I think that we obviously need to continue to work within those neighborhoods and to hold people to uh, account who are helping to police those neighborhoods and and hopefully have some kind of impact on these statistics. But I'll agree with Adrian that more context around stats is always required. Uh, even when you see something like 25% of SIU cases, then the immediate question one has to ask is how many SIU cases were there um, in order to know uh, what the factors were and, and what kind of cases were they. So, so this is a a tough, tough uh, subject that's been going on for some time, certainly. Well, right. Okay. But the raw numbers that are broken out here by the Human Rights Commission, again, it gives a slanted perspective. Uh, is there something to take away from even that slanted perspective, or is it disqualified because it doesn't have the full context? Because they're talking strictly about encounters with the police, right. and, and some perhaps did not end well. Right. But we don't have the number of crimes that were being investigated and uh, the nature of those crimes, but we don't keep crime stats based on race. Is that an oversight that could maybe help contextualize this whole thing, Mike? Well, I mean, there's a whole bunch of decisions that we take to kind of remove bias from a lot of reporting and stuff we do. So what we're left with is an organization, and if they really want to take a hard run at the police, which I believe that was kind of what they wanted to do with this, um, that they're able to sort of paint a pretty you know, damn tough picture of, of what it looks like and and make it look as if the Toronto Police Service is a racist uh, group. Uh, I just I just know that's not the case. I know every, you know, th- this is men and women who work really hard to uphold the law and do a, a really uh, tough job each and every day. There is bias in organizations. I think uh, in the modern context, we're all sort of working to sort of work, work through those issues, no different than the police service is. But these numbers, of course, are, are, are difficult just to take on their face and, and to draw hard conclusions. Uh, 8.8, they say they make up 8.8% of the population. But, you know, more importantly, what percentage of, the, of uh, low-income communities do they make up? Uh, what percentage of uh, participation in sort of gang activities do they make up? You know, there's a whole bunch of other conceptual pieces that are important to really understand and unpack this. Um, so, look, I, I think we, we have the police chief and we have the head of the union who are working to address these issues. They know everything they do is going to be, uh, they're going to living in the fishbowl and people are going to be working hard to, you know, take them to task for how, how they operate and, and exercise their duties in, in the city. Well, this becomes problematic, having asked McCormick as well, the impact on the rank and file. Mm-hmm. And he says it's dispiriting, or not his word, but uh, demoralizing, yeah. I guess. And in some cases, the cops say, well, we're damned if we do, damned if we don't. So why bother? You know, the acronym FIDO, F it, drive on. Uh, yeah, exactly. Look, I, I, I served in the military for seven years, mm. and there is always a report that comes out 
over the course of three to six years talking about, um, you know, some some pretty shady stuff that has happened within certain elements of, of the military. Um, I read these reports, John, and I sort of think back, well, this is not the military I grew up with. This is not the military I was in. Yes. Are there bad actors within any organization, civilian, paramilitary, whatever? Absolutely. And I don't think that the Toronto Police Service is immune to to that as well. But to the context of what we're talking about, there are going to be, and and I mentioned it before, but narratives that want to be pushed about what is actually going on with the TPS or, or Saskatoon or Regina or Winnipeg, police services in general, that it is this hotbed of racism and misogyny and all of this stuff, that is changing. And I don't believe that whatever information has been reflected today is um, contextual enough to uh, acknowledge and reflect the changes that are coming. Have we had problems? No question. Will we have problems going in the future? Absolutely. But we know McCormick, we know um, the chief, Saunders, they're looking at these things and the service is changing. It's a service that recognizes and actually, frankly, in my view, reflects the demographics of the changing city. Mm. So change is inevitable. Let me ask David Sparrow, uh, if there were bad actors everywhere, would they still be card-carrying members of ACTRA in good standing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, bad actors are welcome to become members of ACTRA, and uh, we hope that they'll develop their professional skills through many of our (laughs) online courses. I guess uh, on a serious note, though, the question of whether or not uh, this could be counterproductive uh, insofar as, again, widening the divide between the police service and any trust that they're trying to make with inroads and outreach programs into the community. So, uh, you know, is this maybe uh, bad timing as far as this interim report is concerned? Well, you know, uh, uh, as you know, I've run for office a couple of times up in in uh, the Don Valley West area and Thorncliffe Park and Flemington uh, Park are, are part of the areas that I uh, learned much more about. And I've only seen so many positive things done by the police officers coming in on their time off and and uh, working with youth and trying to build up those communities. And so I'm sure that this is demoralizing when they're all painted with the same brush. When we hear various anecdotal stories from uh, people of color who have had run-ins with the police uh, because they're walking in an affluent neighborhood, those kind of things have to stop. That's ridiculous that people are being challenged and asked for their ID because they just happen to be riding their bicycle in in an affluent neighborhood. At the same time, when the police are responding to calls, as McCormick was speaking about. Obviously, they haven't chosen uh, our desire to respond to that call until the call was made, and they don't know to what neighborhood they're going or who they're going to run into. But we hope they'll be professional and that they'll treat everyone with the same amount of uh, respect that people deserve and and uh, try to bring some kind of order to our, to our city when it gets uh, out of control. All right. On matters of justice or injustices, I want to uh, pursue this with another story that has to do with Corrections Canada. Let's come back with our panel on that note and more topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville, along with Mike Van Sol and Adrian Batter, Dave Sparrow, on The Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. The headlights scream. Black people within the city of Toronto have a 20 times uh, more chance of being shot by the police. So, yeah, I think it has a negative impact. It doesn't have an impact of building uh, a relationship or having an understanding of what's going on and having a positive, constructive conversation. And that's my concern. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.